So it's the fourth Sunday in Advent, it's Christmas Sunday, and the message of this Sunday is love has arrived. But there's another message that goes with this Sunday. Christmas is only three days away, which means every guy here still has two days to get started Christmas shopping. And I'm hoping to have just a slightly shorter message today so that you guys can get out there and get started with your Christmas shopping a little faster. Okay, I'm going to try, no guarantees, all right? We'll go. Now, the Old Testament, the first part of our Bible, is full of stuff about the coming of Jesus. The prophet Isaiah predicted the coming of Jesus some 700 years before his birth. Here's what Isaiah said. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then there's an even more detailed, specific prophecy. Isaiah said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And that's where we want to focus today on the idea that God so loved us that love arrived in Jesus. Emmanuel, which means God with us. And all this takes a place about 10 kilometers east of Jerusalem in a small town known as Bethlehem. And the Apostle Matthew, he writes about the birth of Jesus, and he points to the uh, prophecy of the prophet Isaiah, and he writes, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save uh, his people from their sins. All this took place uh, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Now, if you read this story through the eyes of the people who are around at the birth of Jesus, if you read this story through first century eyes, this story is chock full of scandal. We might not get it today, but... Mary is pregnant and not married, total scandal in the first century world. Jesus enters the world in the midst of scandal. I mean, it's tense. And how his life starts immersed in scandal is how the rest of his life unfolds. For the rest of his life, Jesus will be entrenched in scandal. There'll be scandal about who he eats with and hangs out with, tax collectors, people whose lives are morally suspect, I mean, they are clearly sinners in the eyes of first century culture. And Jesus chooses to surround himself, do life with those kinds of people. And you know, the phrase, those people, it had a bit of a derogatory feel to it, even back in Jesus' day. And wherever you stand, by the way, on that phrase, those people, uh, you kind of get what I mean, right? And whether you're a pro-Don Cherry fan or you applaud what happened to Don Cherry, I bet most of you now will be just a little more cautious on how you use that phrase, those people. The phrase, those people, in Jesus' day stood for sinners and tax collectors, kind of what the culture of the day considered, if I can use the word, kind of scumballish, Right? And Jesus becomes one of those people, one of those sinner people, when he stands up to the religious elite and he teaches that God wants to be close to all of us, that God loves us all. 
that we can actually go directly to God, that, that we can personally lean into God and experience his love. We all can if we choose to. And this was just scandalous at a time when it was taught that access to God could only happen through the priest at the temple. Jesus is saying that the Jewish temple no longer has the monopoly on God's presence. And then add to that, there are miracles and healings, and they accused him of being demonic. And then Jesus went and sat with the Samaritan. I mean, he did it again. He found the most offensive people possible to hang out with. And if you see through the eyes of a first century Jew, you you can see how scandalous it all was and why people would want to kill him. We talked about this earlier in this Advent series, but when Joseph learns about Mary's pregnancy, he has a choice. He can flat out shame her, he can leave her, or he can protect her. What does Joseph do? Matthew tells us, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph has a plan, but then he has an encounter with an angel who confirms what Mary's been saying. The angel says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Hey, truth is, you know, the second and third trimesters of Mary's pregnancy, they're they're filled with tension. And friends, this is just the Christmas story, full of tension, full of scandal. But what we do with the story is what we do today is we kind of make it soft and sentimental, kind of Hallmark movie-like, You know, kind of like something we decorate our tree with. But the first Christmas had scandal and it was monumental because God invaded our world. And God himself ended up hanging on a tree, not as a Christmas decoration. And from this conversation Joseph has with an angel, he understands that all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. We're talking Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Our God, he he chooses to leave all the splendor, all the prerogatives, all the benefits of heaven to get as close to his people as possible to live right in the middle of us. This child is given a name that represents God's passion, his intense love that drove him to be with us. So he's given the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, I think a lot of us kind of see that name, Emmanuel, as being God with me. And that's true to an extent, but it's it's much deeper than just me and Jesus. It's much deeper than the quiver in the liver that I get because me and Jesus are tight. It is that, but it's so much more. Friends, uh, Emmanuel is about the fact that we can access the presence of God Almighty uh, so that we can be empowered to make a difference in our city and world. You know, Jesus isn't just my homeboy. It's not just about me and Jesus. It's an invitation to join with God in his plan to redeem, in his plan to make a broken world right. Emmanuel means God is available all the time. I mean, think about it. That's huge. So here's the question that we need to ask. What would your life look like if you really believe that this is true, that the God of all creation is available to you every moment throughout your day? Follow me on this, okay? When the focus of Emmanuel is just on me, God with me, then I kind of find myself looking to be noticed by God. Hey, God, I'm, you know, hey, God, I'm here. Hey, God, uh, will you do this for me? Uh, uh, God, what will you do for me? And, And when the focus of Emmanuel is really on God, 
What that does is it reorients me to focus on noticing God's presence all around me. The manger reminds us that whether you're a shepherd, a wise man, a mother, a father, an owner of an inn, it's possible to notice God's presence all around you. So how well do you do at noticing God's presence? How often do you access a God who is available all the time? And by the way, those who uh, study church dropouts among youth, when they dug deep, one of the biggest factors that came out in some of the studies was those youth who became young adults had never really personally experienced God. God with us was not their experience. So let me ask you, have you experienced God personally, powerfully? Because I think the issue that is for some dropouts that they were... Some, in some churches, they were just taught to make it all about themselves and not about what God is doing in our world. They wanted God to bless them, answer their prayer, but they never went past asking God to, you know, they never went and asked God to actually use them, empower them to make a difference in the world. They wanted to bless me, God, rather than a God use me to bless others. And the longer they kept their faith as totally self-centered, the less they actually experienced God. And it's not that God doesn't want to bless us. He does. It's just that love arrived in Jesus. And that love that arrived in Jesus wants to love through us to the rest of the world. For me, it's been a bit of a journey to learn about accessing the presence and power of God, that it's just me praying that, you know, God bless me, bless the things that I do. And God, I'm doing pretty good things, right? I'm a pastor, so would you bless my messages? And would you bless what Fort City does? Just God, uh, join my thing. And, and, And that's all good, but over the years, I've begun to learn that this God who will never leave or forsake us, this, this God who is longing to get closer and closer to me, that the, the way I experience him as Emmanuel is when I open myself up to what God is doing all around me all the time, that I can actually become a part of what God is doing around me. And, and so one of the questions I ask frequently now is, what is God doing here in Fort McMurray? And God, what do you want me to do as a part of what you're doing in this city? Friends, Do you believe that God is available to you throughout your day? Do you access that power on a regular basis? Not just for your own sake, but for the sake of everyone you connect with uh, throughout the day. God, what do you want me to do here? God, where are you at work? Let me just throw out a quick ad or an announcement for something we're doing at Fort City in February. We really want everyone to experience what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to to experience Emmanuel through the Holy Spirit, to be able to listen to God and, and hear God through the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. We really want to see your faith in Jesus become an experience. We want to see your faith move from your head to your heart. We want you to feel your faith, just not know about it. And one thing we're going to do on Saturday, February 8th, I may have given the wrong date last week, but it's Saturday, February 8th. We're having something called Holy Spirit Saturday. I know, it sounds like a tacky name, but it's the best I could come up with, Holy Spirit Saturday. And we've invited Doug Balzer from our Alliance District office to spend the day with us. Two sessions in the morning, one in the afternoon, with some opportunity to seek and experience the presence of God. Doug is a former staff member here at Fort City. He was once the youth pastor here. Okay, back to my message. Friends, if God is available all the time, how do we start noticing God's presence and actively engage with it? Uh, And can we do it, you know, in the midst of the hustle and bustle of the Christmas season? I think so. 
So I want to give you three approaches that have worked for me as I've sought to actually engage with God, receive from God, and hear him as he leads me to get involved with what he's doing in this city and our world. So three things. Number one, we must learn to be still. Friends, in a world full of distractions, slowing down and learning to be still is essential. I'm not saying that God never breaks through those distractions and busyness of our lives, but when he does, it's usually because you've also taken the time to slow down and be still on a regular basis. Uh, because you've heard from God when you've been still, when you get really busy and distracted, you, you already know what his voice sounds like, and in the busyness and distractions, you're able to hear him then. But for me, it starts with what some people call a little chair time. For me, it's actually a little desk time at my home office. But for a lot of people, that might be a comfortable chair in the living room or a seat on the bus to work. This, this is where I begin my day, uh, sitting with God in his word, allowing his word to wash over me, to inspire me, to encourage me, to remind me. It's then that I'm more open to noticing God's presence. And uh, it just sets me up to notice God at work throughout the day. Now, I journal this uh, at the start of the day, and I get that that won't work for all of you, but I find it to be a powerful practice. Because as I spend time in God's word, as I listen for God to speak, as I read and pray, I write down some of the things that I think that God might be saying to me. And when I go over that journal and read about what God has been saying to me and what I've been praying, my journal becomes this huge storybook of God at work in my life and through my life. And when I'm at all doubting if God has been at work in my life and through my life, I open that journal and I begin to see a story here and a story there and a story there where, where I can only go. The only explanation I have for that is God. Only God. Only God could have done that. And, and, and as I go through that journal, I see how my God loves me, how he's been powerfully at work changing me, transforming me, making me into a better version of me. And, and he's been working through me. I have recorded miracles, healings even. And then I just become so open for God to move again, to speak again, to lead again, to do the miraculous again. If you're wondering how to get started, my suggestion is something simple. Maybe you get the YouVersion app on your phone. That's a Bible app. And on that app are all sorts of Bible reading plans or devotional guides. And you start with that. You just read something there, slow down, and let God speak to you through that. Just go to the App Store on your phone and download the YouVersion app. It really is a great place to start. And what I'm just saying is let the YouVersion app or some sort of devotional guide help you to become more aware of God's presence. So to be able to experience God's presence, we must learn to be still. But secondly, we must remember that he is here. Uh, the Apostle Matthew, he, he starts his book, the Gospel of Matthew, with the fact that the birth of Jesus is all about the concept that Emmanuel, God, is with us. But then he ends the book, he ends his account of the life of Jesus with the same message. Uh, because the last words that Matthew records tells us that Jesus is going to continue to be Emmanuel, God, with us. That, uh, that it is because God is with us that you and I can make a difference and live and love well as we bring the love of Jesus to a world in need. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. These are the last words in the book of Matthew or towards the end of the book of Matthew. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And here it is. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
I love this because Jesus is saying in his very last words to us while on earth, I will be with you always to the very end. He is with you. He is here. He is with you when you drive your truck, your car. He's with you when you sit at the Christmas table and people are arguing about politics, climate change, and the impeachment of Trump. Uh, He is with you when you're in awkward personal conversations. He is with you. And when we as a church family have eyes to notice and be reminded that God's presence is everywhere and and that Jesus will never leave or forsake us, when we are collectively open to the presence and power of God, that's when incredible moves of God happen. But you know, you you won't see him if you're not looking for him. Just saying. And, And let me just remind you of the link between the presence of God and his desire to help other people know him. And in case you're intimidated by the part of the mission statement that Jesus has given to us to teach people to obey everything that God has commanded you, everything, in some ways that's not such an intimidating thing when you realize that Jesus sums it all up with one command. Okay, that one command is pretty demanding, but you can summarize it all in one command. And today, being the fourth Sunday in Advent, today's Advent theme is love. Today we celebrate that in Jesus, love has arrived. And when it comes to understanding and teaching and obeying everything that Jesus has commanded, it really can be summed up in one commandment, love. Jesus put it this way, a new command. And this one is it, right? This is a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That's what makes it new, is he ups the bar. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that's what Jesus Emmanuel wants to do in our lives. He wants to empower us to love like he loves. He wants us to be part of his mission that leads people to experience the love of Jesus personally so that in turn we can go out and love like Jesus. At Christmas, love arrived in Jesus. And we, uh, who are Jesus' followers, he empowers us through the Holy Spirit to go out and love just like him. You know, God's present, right? God's presence is all around me. God is available all the time. I I want to live and orient my life to receive more of God's presence, to hear his whispers. It starts with being still. And then we must remember a third thing. We must respond quickly to his whispers. Friends, when you hear from God, when you actually notice God's presence is whispering to you, Are you someone who is quick to respond or you take it a little more slowly, a little more cautiously? Growing in spiritual maturity means you hear from God and you respond quickly. Spiritual maturity is people who hear from God. I mean, spiritual immaturity is people who hear from God, but they they make excuses. And more than I care to admit, I've made those excuses, you know, that nudge to speak to someone, to do this, to say something going, oh, no way, God, I'm not, not him, not her. I'd look stupid, God. But can you imagine a church? Can you imagine Fort City as we enter 2020 that we have the anticipation, the the desire, the sense that we're leaning into the presence of God, that we get that he is all around us, that he has this redemptive plan to make us whole, to bring healing, uh, and not only for us, but for our friends, our family, our neighbors, that God has something for us and wants to use us to make this city a better place to live, Man, it could be powerful. Hey, right now, what are you doing with those whispers? 
You know that you hear from God. Is he whispering you to you to be generous? Is he pointing you to a family in need that maybe you can help? Will you respond quickly to those prompts? When you're still, God might whisper to you the name of a person who's down. God might ask you to bring that person some encouragement. Would you respond quickly? Uh, Go remind that person who they are, who God made them to be, and why they matter to you. In your time of being still and remembering that God is right here, God might whisper the name of people and ask that you be bold in inviting them perhaps to our Christmas Eve services. Respond quickly to that. Be faithful to that. Grow in your maturity with God and see how God would use you to be a part of what he's doing in our city, what he is doing uh, in, in other people's lives. Could you imagine a church that didn't just believe that the Bible is the word of God, that didn't just believe that it was inspired by God, but actually believes that God still speaks through that word today to you and to me, that God is still speaking, that God is still moving. The Christmas message is God with us, Emmanuel. And that Emmanuel wants to empower us to live and love like Jesus, to serve like Jesus, to make a difference in our city and our world because of Jesus. And here's what I'm praying you'll discover about our God this Christmas, and I think this will just change your 2020 for the better, that you would believe that he is accessible and available all the time, that you would actually tangibly experience his presence, his love, his power every day throughout the day, that you would hear God whisper, and when you get that prompt, that you would respond quickly, that we would be a people who follow Jesus wherever he leads, it really could lead you into one awesome, scary, exciting ride. I mean, your experience of God in 2020 could be quite spectacular if you truly came to know Jesus as God with us, Emmanuel. Will you be still and listen? Will you remember that he is here? Will you respond quickly? Being that kind of person is what Christmas is all about. Will you bow in prayer with me? Uh, take the words that I pray and kind of make them their, your own personal pray, kind of repray them in a way that works for you. And uh, let's just have a little conversation with God. Father God, wow. Thanks for sending Jesus that first Christmas. And thank you that he's still present uh, in this world, that he is still Emmanuel through the Holy Spirit. And God, would you help me to experience more of Jesus? W- would you help me to sense his presence? Fill me with the spirit of Jesus. And not just to bless me, but to use me to bless others. Touch me with your love and power where I have needs, and I admit I need you right now, Jesus. But as you do that, use me to meet the needs of others. Love through me those who need a touch from you. And help me to become sensitive to the reality that you are all around me, that you are at work all around me. In the hustle and bustle of Christmas, help me to be very aware of your loving presence. I pray in Jesus' name.